0: It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got
1: it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. pocket and Anderson will take it in. and a touchdown. Bell. Into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. Passed road. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you.
0: From the TOJ Digital Studios, courtesy of The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. It's a great mix of national voices that you already know, like Jay Glazer, Mike Sandel, Mike Lombardi, the late, great Don Banks, or for The Athletic, too, and awesome local writers. In fact, one of my buddies, Harif Hassan, covers the Vikings, and I was just reading an awesome article that he wrote about this critical offseason for the Vikings. So if you're somebody that likes coverage of your own team, Great, plenty of that, but if you're somebody that likes coverage of other teams like I do, you can get tons of great writers that cover teams besides your own, and as I said, great national writers too. And here's the best part, not only do you get first-rate reporting, but you get all kinds of great analysis, advanced analytics, in-depth player profiles, and more, and it's completely ad-free. No clickbait, just great content. Pro sports, college sports, The Athletic has it all. So if you're not subscribing yet, you're really missing out. Want to get in on the action? I got a great deal for you. Just for being a Play Like a Jet listener, you can go to theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase letters, and you'll get yourself 40% off a year subscription. 40%, that's a lot. Go to TheAthletic.com slash Overtime, all lowercase letters, and get all of this fantastic sports coverage in The Athletic for 40% off today. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined for the mailbag by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. Of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Hey, Chris, what's going on, buddy? Ah,
1: not too much running on fumes here, but you know, hey, we got plenty of stuff to talk about. So let's get to it.
0: You and I are always running on fumes. So why would this day be any different, Chris? And one thing that we can talk about since you said we should get right into it before we get into the mailbag is this bizarre feud between Darrell Revis and Richard Sherman. Now, if you go back and track the history, it was Sherman who started this years ago, talking about Revis and how he was overrated, and Sherman saying he was better, and it went back and forth from there for years. But this is one of those weird things where Darrell Revis is retired, and I understand him pointing out on Twitter why he was better than Sherman and explaining what Sherman's not doing, even though he's still performing at a high level. But the fact that he then took it from there to a point where he was going off on Antonio Cromartie simply because Antonio Cromartie refused to say that Sherman isn't a great player. Because Cromartie went on television with Skip Bayless and said that Revis is the greatest of all time, but that Sherman is still really, really good and he's the best at what he's being asked to do, which I think is fair because Sherman has never been asked to do what Revis was asked to do. Revis was asked to, in his prime... Lock down the number one receiver on the opposing team And when I say prime I'm talking about his first stint with the Jets Because that's not what happened in Tampa where he was used in zone coverage And it's not what happened with the New England Patriots Where he was used on the team's number two receiver And it's not what happened with the Jets when he came back in 2015 Because while he was put in an island again the way that he had been before He couldn't handle it anymore So I get that they had very different tasks. And if you want to talk about who is better historically... Clearly, you could make that argument that Revis was making, but I just don't understand why he needed to lash out like this, especially at Antonio Cromartie. And then, Chris, you were telling me, and I hadn't even seen this, that Peter King stuck his neck in there for some reason as well, saying that Revis was acting like a loser. Listen, Peter, I get it. You can say that Revis was getting a little overboard with what he was saying, but come on now, man. (laughs) He's the greatest corner of all time, or at the very least, one of the top couple of corners of all time. No reason to be sticking your nose into this feud that doesn't concern you. And by the way, Peter, you've seen better days yourself in terms of your sports writing. No offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how many people really care about what he said to uh, the barista or the uh, you know, the what was it, the hostess at a restaurant telling <laughs> him about uh Robin Williams dying. Yeah, the whole thing is silly, but you're this happens with elite athletes, man. Like, look at jo- J- Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame retirement. The people hold on to things. They they remain petty, especially at this level of an athlete. And like you said, Sherman was the first one who did it a while ago. Revis was sitting at home watching the game. The game was kind of boring, and he saw it, and he felt like tweeting it out. Like, it's really that simple. He, pro- he probably shouldn't have done it. It probably, like – of course but i don't you know my first reaction when i saw it was like oh man that's petty why are you doing that Well, and then it was like but all right who cares and it turned into this huge thing and i was like all right we've gone way too far here every single one of us has tweeted through it at some point like every one of us has kept tweeting when we probably should have stopped for one reason or another some more justified than the other <clears throat> but we've all done it. We've all sent bad tweets, just tweets we shouldn't have. Where, where I do think he went wrong was the Cromartie thing. But mm-hmm. I think he probably just he didn't even like the red. It didn't even register that Cromartie was like, yeah, Revis is the greatest. He just focused. He probably like ignored that or didn't even hear that, and just thought Cromartie was on there defending Sherman. Um, and Cromartie's right because. As much, If you're going to compare the two of them and the prime, then yes, Revis gets the edge because of being asked to follow the team's best receiver one-on-one completely on an island. Richard Sherman hasn't been asked to do that. But if I'm just sitting here judging Richard Sherman, I'm not going to knock him for that because that's what he's asked to do, and he's excellent at what they've asked him to do. Um, And their primes, Revis was better. At the end of their career, Sherman's probably going to have a better, longer career because, as Sherman pointed out, year nine for Revis looked a little bit different. But again, Prime Revis was like something I've never seen. So he, he obviously, Durrell obviously held on to it when Sherman uh, first went at him. Um, And it's been festering with him. And I just think he needs to do something with his time and get himself back to, like, some type of high-level competition because that's what it felt like to me. It felt like he was just, like, he had all this energy built up, this competitive energy of Juices built up. And this – he just unleashed it all on that tweet because he wanted it to go. Um, So, you know, I'll find some type of, like, pickup game that with – good enough athletes you can go do or something basketball or whatever but uh it was definitely an entertaining thing i do think people went way too far though with the criticism of it like acting like it was some like horrible thing man first off he's going at richard sherman who loves to talk so like what's wrong with that go ahead engage he's gonna shoot it back who cares
0: the Cromarty stuff is where I think it went way over the line because then he started talking about how, you remember when we were in meetings and the coaches told me that I had to cover for you because you couldn't take on such and such receivers? And it's like, all right, now we're getting into the weeds and you're revealing things that don't need to be revealed publicly against the teammate who, by the way, was saying that you're the greatest of all time, was backing you even if he wasn't trashing Sherman. So I thought that was really a bit odd. There's a reporter on Twitter, and I don't remember what his name is or who he writes for or what he actually does, but he does a funny thing where every day he puts out a list of people who need their phones taken away for the day. Rivas definitely would have been on that list after the Antonio Cromartie tweet. So that's really where I come down on this whole thing. As far as Richard Sherman, by the way, I've had enough of him, because as good as he is, this whole no one believes in me, blah, 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 that ended a long time ago. Everybody knows that Richard Sherman is an excellent player, so stop trying to play the victim and act like you're the one that everybody is counting out or something. Nobody's counting you out, Richard Sherman. That's all in your head, and I get that he's trying to use some things to motivate himself, but it's really getting tiresome. I will say, though, for as good as Richard Sherman is, prime for prime, no question of About it, Revis was on another level Revis in his prime was an elite player One of the greatest to ever play the game of football Which is not something I would say Chris About Eli Manning who steps away from the game of football Retiring after a career that began in 2004 After he was drafted number one overall by the San Diego Chargers And then traded to the New York Giants In a flip for Phillip Rivers Eli played a really long time And he did get the two Super Bowls, but he was a painfully average quarterback for almost his entire career. And I know that he's going to get into the Hall of Fame because his last name is Manning and he's got the two Super Bowls and he played for a million years. But he really shouldn't be in. And this isn't one of those, well, you can't be the Hall of very good. It's got to be the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Greatness, the Hall of Excellence. I'm just saying that he wasn't even the Hall of Very Good because he wasn't even a very good quarterback. He was an average quarterback, and people are going to go back to those two playoff runs, but I think that if we're talking about the Hall of Fame, we've got to talk about entire careers. You need to have had a consistently excellent career, and he didn't come anywhere near close. So all due respect to Eli Manning, who seems like a class act and I enjoyed watching him play, and he never caused any problems or anything like that, so I'm not trying to cast aspersions on Eli the person. But Eli the player, there's going to be a lot of talk about this, and a lot of Giants fans are going to get all upset when you even dare suggest that maybe Eli wasn't that great. But that's the reality of it. He was a painfully average quarterback who had those two really nice playoff runs, got the two Super Bowl rings, and on the basis of that and his last name is going to get into the Hall of Fame. He shouldn't, but I've already resigned myself to the fact that he will.
1: Yeah, okay. So let me preface this by saying I really like Eli Manning the person. I like the way he carries himself. I like his sense of humor, how funny he is. I also want to give him credit because what his best quality as a quarterback was how tough he is because man, he took a beating and that Iron Man streak he had going until they decided that McAdoo decided to bench him for Gino. Um, he-, he took a-, a-, a beating, took those lumps, and he was a tough son of a gun. Like he, I had nothing but respect for him as a person, as a quarterback you said it he was painfully average throughout his entire career the one single year did he finish with a top 10 dvoa rating and it was 10th like so the one year he was a top 10 quarterback and it was just 10th that's not a hall of fame career they won those super bowls because of the pass rush um they they weren't scoring 40 points because eli manning was so great he had good playoff runs. He got hot. Those are, by the way, the only two times that they've done anything. It's not like they were constantly in the uh, conference championship games or in the Super Bowl. They weren't making the playoffs otherwise because Eli Manning wasn't good. He was always at the top of leading in interceptions. He was a, just an okay quarterback. He was NFL-level average quarterback for most of his career one year top 10 that does not get you in the hall of fame two two super bowls playing in new york new york media will end up getting in to the hall of fame but he should he shouldn't and i was at a friend's house a couple weeks ago um where the night that the the ravens lost to the Titans, and I was talking to a couple Giants fans about this. I was trying to explain it to them, and they were not having it. They were not listening. Everything I said, they were just brushing off and s- dismissing. But I- I'm sorry, it's fact. He has never been one of the best quarterbacks in the game of his era. And that's the threshold of Hall of Fame. You have to be elite within your era, and he has never been that.
0: What you get from Giants fans typically is you go through the whole thing, you present all the facts, and then they look at you and say, two rings, bro, two rings. So that's essentially all it's ever going to be, and there's no point in arguing because they're never going to listen. What Eli Manning reminds me of a little bit, by the way, is Jerome Bettis. And I know a lot of Steelers fans would get really mad, but I think Jerome Bettis had that platform. He was a well-known name marketed gimmick the whole deal he had a couple of seasons where he was really really good but for the most part he had a very average-ish career as a running back maybe slightly above average certainly not a hall of fame career his career yards per carry average was something like 3.8 so I still don't understand this whole rush to put him in the hall of fame either somebody asked me how Eli Manning was any different than Curtis Martin and Frank Gore You could argue about Frank Gore if you want. I'd have to take a closer look at his stats, but I remember him having several elite seasons, and with a running back, it's different than a quarterback anyway because the shelf life of a running back is much shorter than the shelf life of a typical quarterback, so you have to judge them differently. But with Curtis Martin, every year of his career was elite, And by the way, he was great in the passing game and as a blocker too. He was a triple threat. So to me, zero argument in terms of Curtis Martin. Even if you want to say he wasn't as good as somebody like LaDainian Tomlinson. So he was never the very best running back in the league. He was always among the very best. So that's the difference there. Curtis Martin always among the very best running backs while he was playing. Eli Manning pretty much never among the best quarterbacks when he was playing. But I hope he has a happy retirement and perhaps him and his brother and his father will at some point buy a part of an NFL team or something because sounds like that's the goal for the Manning family down the line. Last thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the mailbag, Chris is the Super Bowl. So we got the Chiefs and the 49ers. This should be a fun matchup. I like the playoffs. I know that the championship games ended up being butt kickings, but we did get one team that came out of nowhere, had that bit of a magic carpet, right? Kind of the way that the 2009 Jets did in the Tennessee Titans. I'm curious to see what they do in the offseason because a lot of those guys are free agents now. Logan Ryan is a free agent. Ryan Tannehill is a free agent. Derrick Henry is a free agent. Jack Conklin is a free agent. By the way, Jets fans, keep your eye on Jack Conklin. So I want to see what they try to do in terms of keeping that team intact. But the Chiefs now present you with an offense that can score at will. And Patrick Mahomes, who is probably the best player on planet Earth right now and doing things that nobody else in the league or anywhere on earth can do and you've got the 49ers who don't have that type of special attraction the way that the Chiefs have and they don't have quite as explosive an offense but they're the most well-rounded team in football they don't have any real weaknesses they're good to very good at everything so this should be a very very good Super Bowl and I thought the playoffs overall were pretty satisfying
1: yeah, I've enjoyed the playoffs for the most part. You know, that uh, the Ravens losing to the Titans really threw me for a loop a little bit. I was disappointed by that. I really wanted, wanted to see uh, Lamar versus Mahomes. I was even getting ready to go and uh, head down to Baltimore for the AFC Championship game if that was going to be the case. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's hard not to watch San Francisco and be impressed with what they're doing. Um uh, Kyle Shanahan uh, his run game uh, the the way they're just dominating I I do want to point out that uh, I I think seems to be getting lost everyone just talks about Shanahan and his system and for good reason because everywhere a Shanahan or a Kubiak goes though they take whoever's the running back and make them uh, an excellent running back but it's not just them and it's not just the running back they have an awesome offensive line um This this is the difference. The Chiefs also have an awesome offensive line, and I point this out every year. The last teams remaining typically have are among the best offensive lines. That's how important the position is. uh, All those five spots, and it's absolutely huge. And having said that. I just don't know how I can pick against uh, Patrick Mahomes because I can break this down and however you want to look at it. And I can't, I can't sit here and say I'm going with Jimmy G over Patrick Mahomes. I know San Francisco's defense is crazy. They're going to put pressure on him, but I just still think and maybe it'll take a little bit to get going, but I think Mahomes will find a way to uh, beat that pass rush. I don't, I don't know how that cover-through scheme is going to hold up against the speed that Kansas City has, all the different weapons that they have. Um, And at a certain point, the the 49ers aren't going to be able to just run the ball all over the Chiefs. They're going to need Jimmy G to do something, and I don't trust him to do it. Uh, It's not that he can't. Of course, one game sample size, he can have a good game. But the Chiefs do have a, a much better pass defense than most people realize. And they're going to need him to make some plays throwing the ball. And I'm I'm going to go ahead and uh, continue riding with Mahomes.
0: On paper, this is really an interesting matchup. And the oddsmakers agree as well because the Chiefs are one-point favorites. I'd have to look, but I would imagine that's got to be one of the closest spreads in the history of the Super Bowl You've got the Chiefs in their dynamic offense. Their defense is kind of shaky, but they do have Frank Clark to provide a pass rush as well as Chris Jones on the interior. That's a really nice one-two combo. And then on the other end, like we said, 49ers are just a very well-rounded team, but the one potential weak link could be Jimmy G. Now, we don't know exactly how he's going to perform if it gets to the point where they need him to go out there And be the guy Because so far all he's had to do Is go along for the ride I've seen him play fairly well In 2019 And from what I can tell he looks to be A good quarterback whether he's more than that We're going to find out over time But if it gets to a point Where the Chiefs get out to a big lead, and the 49ers need to score and go toe-to-toe. Can they do it? That's the important question. I'm not sure. But on the other end of things, if anybody would have the personnel to slow down the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes – It would be San Francisco. So this really, on paper, is one of the best Super Bowls that you could possibly get. I love the chess matchup here. You got Andy Reid in the mix. You got Kyle Shanahan in the mix. This is going to be fun. And for the first time in a long time, we don't have the Patriots or the Broncos in this thing. We don't have to deal with Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. Chris, I said a couple of weeks ago that with the exception of the 2013 Super Bowl, which was the 2012 season... When Joe Flacco and the Ravens went The AFC has been represented By Ben Roethlisberger Tom Brady or Peyton Manning Every single year Since 2003 When Rich Gannon went to the Super Bowl With the Oakland Raiders So some fresh blood and this will be A fun one coming up And as we said on paper an exciting matchup Play like a jet Play like a jet And with that, Chris, let's get into the mailbag, and we will start with Sean Stalker, who says, Scott and a very big deal, Chris Nimbley. Christopher Johnson hired a coach who led a bottom third offense for three years but had a list of excuses. In year one, we got the worst offense in the league and a list of excuses. What level of offensive improvement, regardless of excuses, would you be looking for in 2020 if you were Christopher Johnson? It's hard to say because I need to see who they add personnel wise first. But assuming Joe Douglas goes out and is able to significantly improve the offensive line and maybe add a weapon on offense for Sam Darnold, I need to see this offense consistently scoring above league average. But more importantly, I need to see Adam Gase getting the most out of the players that he's got. In other words, Yes, Sam Darnold got a little bit better in 2019 than 2018, but I need to see him get significantly better than that in 2020. Le'Veon Bell was disappointing in 2019, and a big part of that was the offensive line, but even if the offensive line isn't great, I need to see Adam Gase show that he learned from his mistakes of how he used Bell in 2019 and use him more lineup as a receiver because even if he can't run the ball he can be effective that way creating mismatches in the passing game if Robbie Anderson sticks around I need to see him targeted more downfield We could go on and on with this but the point is I need to see Adam Gase be more creative and And make better use of his personnel. I also would like to see better results in terms of the actual points scored from game to game. So I can't give you an exact ranking that I think is fair until I see who he has. But I need to see that he's making the best use possible of the players that he's got.
1: Yeah, um, prepare to... Criticizing him all next season (laughs) because that none of that is going to happen. Adam Gase is not going to change. Uh, Maybe, maybe we'll see him use Darnold uh, better. Maybe we'll see that. We did see that three game stretch where he seemed to to get it. And then for some reason went away from it. I, I will never quite understand that. Um, But he's not going to change who he is. He's not going to change his system. He's going to continue to try to force guys into his system and to do things his way instead of building around the talent that he has. I do agree with you, though. It's, it's impossible for us to really try to gauge where they'll be or where they should be until we see uh, what type of offensive line they have in front of Sam. It, do they get rid of Le'Veon Bell? If, not, if so, then who do they get in as a running back? Um, Or will they keep Robbie Anderson? Who else can they get a wide receiver? Because that's all going to be a big factor. If they don't make a huge, huge upgrade to that offensive line, if they get rid of Le'Veon or they let Robbie walk and they, you know, just sign an Albert Wilson and, you know, draft somebody I'm not. I don't know how you can possibly look at this offense and feel confident and feel hopeful, even with Darnold going into year three, I, with Gase as the coach and without those serious upgrades and even taking one of his weapons away from him. I just don't know how you can be hopeful about it. So, um, you know, you got it. Listen, they were worst in the league in offense and pretty much everything here. So regardless of what happens you got to figure that it has to be up to at least league average yeah you have to at least be somewhere in there um but i just don't know that i have any confidence that he can he will even do that adam Gase has not learned a thing it's painfully obvious from how this season played out uh i don't see why it would change now uh it's possible but i just can't can't imagine it.
0: Chris, we've got a ton more questions, but before we get to our next one, I just want to tell you about the people at Simply Safe. If there's a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime, and that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you when anyone's approaching your home. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard the inside. And Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. With 24-hour-a-day, 7-day-a-week monitoring by live security professionals. Protect your home with Simply Safe. Go to simplysafe.com slash overtime today and get free shipping on your order plus a sixty day money back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime to save on home security today. Simplysafe.com slash overtime. Next question comes in from Adam Gase sucks. That's his handle on Twitter. So I'm not making any commentaries. That's his handle. He says, given depth and talent along the defensive line, do you think the Jets should try to maybe trade one of the defensive linemen they have for a mid-round pick? And do you think they could get a mid-rounder in return for any of them? I'm not talking about Quentin Williams, and they can't get much from McClendon or Anderson, so I'm mostly saying Foley, Shepard, or Phillips. I know the defensive line is important, and you still want to have a great unit, but given the team's needs, I just think if they could fetch a good draft pick for one of those guys, it would be something to consider. Just unsure what return they could get for trading any of those three guys that I just named. Personally, I wouldn't trade any of those guys because they're all young, well, with the exception of Shepard, who I think is about 46, but we'll make an exception because he's Canadian Thanos. They're all inexpensive, and they're all really good, so I wouldn't really want to trade those guys because – I think that having excellent defensive line depth and having a unit that's strong like that is important. And I also don't think that you would get enough to justify it. I'm not sure what you would get for Foley Fatakasi, maybe a fourth round pick. Is it really worth it for a guy who's so inexpensive and was so stout against the run last year? I don't think I would move any of those guys. Now, listen, if somebody surprises you and offers you a third-round pick for Kyle Phillips or something, sure, then go ahead. But I don't think that you're going to get an offer like that, and considering these guys make so little and have produced pretty well, I wouldn't be looking to move any of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd definitely be open to moving one of them, uh, especially, like, if you could get a third-rounder for one of them, I'd do it, uh, especially in this draft, or depending on who's on board, you know, there's an offensive lineman you still like, and you can get them with that pick, go for it. Also with how deep this receiver class is, you could probably get somebody who would most years go like uh, early second and and the third round. You might even be able to get like a second round, normal second round uh, pick in in the early fourth round. Um, So it would depend on – how the board falls and how the grades, they have grades stacked up, but maybe you could go out there and pick up, swap one of them for an offensive lineman or another receiver. But without the specifics of it, because I don't think that they'd be likely to get a third, it's possible you could get one for Kyle Phillips, but... Fourth sounds uh, probably more realistic. And without knowing uh, an exact name or target, I probably wouldn't do it for a fourth. But like I said, if, if, if somebody slipped there, then I'd do it. But, you know, that's the deepest spot on the team. That is uh, one area that they could play around with. And it doesn't seem to matter who is uh, who's in charge with the Jets. The Jets do an excellent job. A somehow, some way of finding these defensive linemen late in the draft or undrafted. Um, so maybe you can get rid of one of them and then do it again and, and stock up on it because they they did it with Rex here. They did it with Bulls here. They've done it with, now at the uh, Gates here. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, Joe Douglas has hasn't been involved in any of that, but I don't see a reason why Joe Douglas would mess that up. Uh, but I'd definitely be op- open to entertaining that if the offer's right. And depending on, you know, like I said, how the board falls, what's there. Uh, third round would definitely do it. Fourth round, I'd have to wait and see who's still available.
0: Chris, by the way, before we go, I thought this was interesting. Somebody had this tweeted at key. TBOI this goes along with the Eli Manning discussion that we had earlier he says Joe Namath career rate plus 102 career yards per attempt plus 106 two seasons with yards per attempt of plus 115 Eli Manning career rate plus 98 career yards per attempt rate plus 101 one season with yards per attempt of plus 115 Right now, Namath is considered arguably the worst quarterback in the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning is significantly worse. There you go. Not much more to say about that, right?
1: Not at all.
0: (laughs) Perfect way to close out the show. Make sure that you're reading Chris and Michael over at JetsInsider.com. Follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbley and at JetsInsider. Follow Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania, N-A-N-I-A. Also, if you haven't had the opportunity to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, I'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time. But it really does a lot for us, so we'd appreciate it if you could go ahead and do that. And it helps us to provide you with the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts. And for that, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.